I, I, I see it. See, at least when you do TOEFOP, you you start and you've got a good in. Well, we'll come up with one. You just say uh, hello and welcome to Dad Pod. I'm Daddy O. Daddy <laughs> seems that. I don't know. Maybe not the no, second. No, I don't know. I don't know about the Daddy O. It sounds like I'm some guy from a James Dean movie. I don't know. Just, Hi, and welcome to Dad Pod. I'm Usher and I'm Charlie, and then we get started. All right. Charlie, we're here at Dad Pod once again. How are you? Good, mate. How are you? Uh, uh, but what, just off air, people don't realise we've just had a uh, five-minute discussion about how to start the show. You're incredibly anxious about this. I just think you say hello and welcome to Dad Pod and we get started. True, but see, everyone relaxes such a high bar. <laughs> and like dollop, they just scream a date, you know, and then yeah. you know the show's beginning. Greg Proops has his thing. Marin has his guitar. Hello, freak bitches. We could do the Joe Rogan one. Anyway, we'll f- we'll come up with something. We'll um, get to it. But I just think, hello and welcome to Dad Pod is is a good start. Okay. Uh, how am I, Charlie? The the overnight bags are unpacked. Oh. The snack bags are unpacked. I'm regularly going to work out outside of the house. We're standing down. Standing down. Okay. Um, so let's let's just update those uh, who, who may not be aware. So you and I are both expectant fathers. Our, yes. Both our wives are at uh, late stages yeah. of pregnancy. Yeah. You're about a month ahead of mine. So you, uh, how close to the uh, the set date are you? Well, uh, we are today. Let me look on the app. at the moment of we're, recording. We are the moment of recording. We're 38 and six today. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. And the the doctor was planning to go a week early with Audrey anyway. Mm-hmm. So he, let me just set the scene. Okay. So we are okay. we we have been we're in the launch zone. Like if we were in a World War Two. Yes. Yeah. Really. If we were in a World War Two movie, Audrey and I would be the nervous recruits sitting on the side of the World War Two C one thirty. You know, with our yeah. zip our zip line to our parachute attached to the line above us. The light would go green. The door would fly open, and someone would be going, "Okay, it's now or never." And both her and I are going, "Fuck!" But what do we have to go now? Like that's where we are. Like we're in the drop zone. Like and and, right. and here we are. Ten days ago, I am shooting the final episode of the massive new Network 10 television event show, The Masked Singer. We're at Stage 5, Fox Studios Australia. It's a multi-million dollar production. It's a huge, shiny floor studio. We've got all the bells and whistles. Charlie, we've got the we've got like the 28-foot the techno jib. It's fucking excellent. You know, there's steady cams everywhere. It, there's pyro. I walk out on stage. There's dancers. There's pyro. I have choreography. It's huge fucking mungus. All right. And we're in the, we've done, you know, a bunch of episodes and we're doing the grand finale, the final moment where we, we pull the mask off and finally reveal who was the one that won it, right? Television has segments. All right. And when you're taping TV, you normally tape in segments, then you stop down and have a break. In the break before we tape the final, final, final segment, massive, 300 people in the audience. Cam Knight, who we both know, is doing our warm up, right? He's keeping the crowd vibed. I go back to my dressing room to have a quick wee, I check my phone. And I see these messages from Audrey. Hey, honey, I know you're busy at work right now, but do you have your overnight bag packed? All right, bag. Yeah, it's in the back of my car. Okay. Text comes from her. Do you want me to make sure there's enough things in it? You know, just in case you need any stuff. I'm like, no, it's good. I packed it the other day. Okay, what about snacks? Are you good for snacks? I'm like, oh, fuck, okay. And I call her. Hello? Are you having contractions? They're seven minutes apart. Okay, sit tight, honey. 
are you okay? I'm fine. All right. And I went back in there and I shot another hour of television (laughs) knowing this was going on. And then all the fucking confetti cannons in the world go off and there's fireworks and and then I I just changed back into another suit and shoot a promo. I had to do all kinds of shit. But I didn't want everybody to know. So I just kind of let my EP know, um, I'm just a bit pressed for time. Huh? (gasps) All right, everybody, fucking back in the track. Meal break's over. Everybody like she whipped she whipped people into shape, thankfully. She's amazing, amazing woman, Janine. But then when it when 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 they wrapped me on those promos, I don't think my feet touched the ground. I ran, everyone's cheersing, and it's, you know, the, the rap, I basically evacuated from the rap party, got, yeah. in, got in my car, hooned home to find Audrey now at about five minutes apart. We waited and waited and she, it was, it was on, it was starting, right? And then about two hours later, we're like, okay, all right, let's go. We packed everything, got the snacks, put everything in the cooler bag, got everything together, got to the hospital and like when... She was having these contractions. Her like that day, Charlie. Her body changed shape twice. She could suddenly wow. breathe. Suddenly breathe way easier, which means babies uh-huh. drop down even further, giving her yeah. lungs more space to move. Different parts of her were hurting in different ways, but she felt she had far more space to move. I'm like, oh, okay, this is it. And we get to the hospital, and they they did. It's the kind of thing that. And when you watch a Farrelly Brothers film, that your your eyes just kind of close and your testicles just retract. Uh, you like when Ben Stiller gets a solid nut shot in a Farrelly Brothers movie and your testicles sure. just disappear inside your body, just whoops a daisy. The midwife did what's called a stretch and sweep. Now, I don't know if you know what a stretch and sweep is, Charlie, but she goes to check um, how dilated Audrey is. And this is a lovely way of saying the midwife puts their fingers in your wife, okay? Yeah. Quite vigorously because uh, they have to get right in there and, and, and see how far dilated. And they measure by mm. how many fingers apart they can fit in, in the cervix. Mm. And then they do a, a sweep where they basically run their finger around the inside of the cervix to try and dislodge the mucus plug, which is, you know, like the... the, the mucus stop. plug, which is also my favourite German metal band. <laughs> yeah, they are. They were amazing. Um, they, were, they were really good. Up there was Pungent Stench, which were an actual band. Uh, anyway, when this happened, Audrey's face told me... Well, she made the face that you would make when you have basically a midwife's hand inside you. Mm. Um, I'm like, holy fucking shit. If, and it hurt me to watch her and already I'm thinking, this is not even the size of a baby, all right? This is yeah, a, a, right. a, a five-foot-three midwife with her hands, you know, uh, checking to see the cervix dilation. How am I going to be when a, a baby's shoulders and a baby's head are pushing through? Anyway... She gave the perineum a jolly good, jolly good go, and mm. um, we just kind of waited. They put the monitor, they put monitors on her to see how the contractions are going, but they didn't get any closer than seven minutes apart. And we just sat yeah. there. We sat there for about an hour, and she went, "If it's going to happen, you know, it's probably going to happen. I'm going to send you home because you'll probably go into labour a lot easier at home." Which is something that we learned at the the calm birth course, which I know you did as well. That in order for a woman to become to feel comfortable enough to go into labour, she has to feel safe, she has to feel calm, and she has to feel private mm. in a strange place with strange smells, different lights. Not you know, it's a it's a weird room in a building. You know that we had to go through a very fluorescently lit smelling of cigarette smoke car park to get to. It's like no, none of those three things. Okay, mm. she was like, you're probably going to labour at home. So crestfallen, a little bit crestfallen, we headed home. Audrey continued to have these seven to ten minute apart contractions for the next three days, 
all right? And when she would, her body, it looks like, you know that scene in Commando where uh, Schwarzenegger and Apollo Creed have that handshake and they're biased? Predator. I think you'll find that's oh, Predator. Predator. When, when Schwarzenegger and Apollo Creed do that handshake and their biceps just yeah. bulge. Her, Dylan, yeah. you're pushing too many pencils. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that her belly just flexed like that. Right, All right. Wow. It, it looks like she's like in the you know the IBF Miss Natural bodybuilding. Her mm. body just whoa flexed like holy shit. And it's so hard we couldn't feel any kicking or anything through it. And then when the contraction's over, it relaxes and and there you go. That's incredible. And it went. This went on, dude. This went on for like two days. All right, three days. Then by Thursday, they start getting closer again. Six minutes, five minutes, mm. four minutes. Honey, better pack the snacks. Okay, I'll pack the snacks. Put the stuff in the cooler bag. Everything's ready to go. She's like doing the thing where she's leaning against the wall. She's looking like she looks in all the photos I've seen of women in labor. She can't talk when the contractions are happening. I'm like, okay, this is it. I'm pushing the acupressure points. I'm, I'm doing all the, you know, trying to relieve it for her. It's really starting to take her when she's starting to go into these contractions. She's unable to continue a conversation. It's her breathing's changing. I'm like, okay, this is on. Here we go. Slowly though, it was like in 100 frames a second slow-mo, Charlie. It was like, so four minutes, two. Then when we got to about three, two and a half, it's like, all right, let's go. Oh, that's the other thing. I'm on the stopwatch app on my phone. And we're, you know, we're walking around that day when they were getting closer and closer. We're like, we better get some, you know, so we're getting the soft cheeses. We're getting the prosciutto. Like we're getting all the things that she can finally eat. So we're packing all these things. <laughs> and I'm just walking around the shop's timing, right? But I'm fucking it up on the stopwatch. Uh, and she's getting annoyed at me because I'm getting annoyed at me too because I can't see, <laughs> you know, where the timings are. Anyway, I finally download an actual labor timer app. I'm like, oh, good. I can finally see how close they are. This is good. We, we get to the hospital between the car park and the ward. She had three contractions in about seven minutes. So that, that right. we're, we're getting Pretty ready. Close to, together. Getting ready to go. Charlie, we get inside. We get in the room. They put her on the monitor. And the woman turns to me and goes, so how's the bachelor? Mm. Where's the mansion? Does he fall in love? How long does it take to shoot it? Does everything happen in real? Is it like that show in real? Is it like maths? And I see Audrey's face change. I see her breathing change. And what I know about labor is that for labor to continue on, you need oxytocin flowing, mm. all right? You yeah, need, you, you, need, good. you need to feel safe, calm, and private, all right? The moment she starts talking about work, privacy and safety, boom, out the door. She starts yeah. talking about work. What fires up? Adrenaline. What does adrenaline do? Stops the fucking labor in its tracks. We've been going like a steam train all day, Charlie, and it stopped in its tracks. She didn't have another contraction uh, for like 20 minutes. That's so annoying. Mate, and we ended up and we went back home again. And now here we are. It's a week after that happened. She's gone a week of having between every seven and 10 minutes having contractions. Seven days, she's been having contractions every seven minutes. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, yeah. And it's really starting to take it out of her. Meanwhile, baby's keeping growing, and I'm putting the, the moisturizer on her body every night to try and, uh, you know, mitigate the stretch mark situation, and I'm noticing her body fat is just vanishing. This thing's right. a parasite. It's sucking, you know, <laughs> it's sucking calories yeah. out of her, right? So now uh, we went to go see the obstetrician today. So now this is the weird thing because I know it's the same name as your dog, um, but we've just been calling it Junior. Uh, Junior will be joining us on Friday 
whether he shows up or not. And we were at a family function, and you'd appreciate this being the what are you you're one of nine, nine, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So we're at a family function the other day, and um, one of the distant uncles. He comes up to me and Audrey's, Audrey looks like she is trying to smuggle illegal basketballs into North Korea or something. <laughs> like she is – and her, her, she's so dropped. Her center of gravity is like it's full on how low this baby is. Wow. And the dad – I think he's got to be a septuagenarian. He comes up to me and he goes, listen, son, I've had six children. There's one thing I can tell you. Prostaglandin. <laughs> Not the fake stuff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the thing that got it in there is the thing that's going to get it out of there. <laughs> He's literally said it like it was a beer ad. <laughs> and he was you can saying, get it pushing. You can get it wishing. <laughs> it's like, Matter of fact, I got it now. And then Cost the thing is, the mum came to Audrey separately and said the same thing. Oh, honey, I know where you are. I know how uncomfortable it is. Prostaglandin. That's what's going to do it. Prostaglandin. So for, for people who, you know, prostaglandin is a hormone that is contained within semen. And mm. um, From my understanding is it's not settled science, is it, yet, that it actually has any beneficial effect? Oh, no. Our obsession today was like 100%, but if you want to make this happen. Really? Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> How's that for some pillow talk? Well, I can just see she's got this human being inside her body that's getting about 150 grams, 200 grams bigger a week. Wow. You know? And yeah. moving constantly lower and lower and lower, locking lower and lower into her pelvis and just stretching in this co- the contractions every seven to ten minutes, man. She's an absolute champion, bro. So I get it that, you know, she may want to have it out quicker than – he's doing fine. We had him on the heart rate monitor today and he's doing great. I recorded it actually. Hang yeah. on. This will blow your mind, dude. Okay. It's got a good beat to it. Kid's got rhythm. Yeah. That's awesome. That's fine. And if you, want to, if you want to throw a few uh, effects over the top of that, and then maybe some synth or some guitar or something like that. Uh, I'm going to release it as an Aphex Twin album on SoundCloud. Yeah. It's going to be, yeah. it's going to be amazing. So, like, that's that's the thing. And Audrey keeps saying, like, that's what they don't tell you in all the books. They don't tell you it in all the videos. They don't tell you it in any of the courses that the story is the contractions begin, then you go into labor, and then a baby shows up. But the distance between the contractions begin and then you go to labor, I mean, we're at 10 days now. Yeah, right. And... We're speaking to other women, they've all said the same things. I wish somebody told me that. Yeah, between like 6 o'clock and 10 o'clock at night for a week before he showed up, boom, I thought it was going to happen. And then as I say, uh, as I lay down and went to bed, it all just abated. It's been – I've been like ready to jump, ready to go, ready to, you know, yeah. Hobbs and Shaw it all the way to the hospital. Uh, <laughs> yeah, with my, you well, know, shoulder-mounted, you know, grade launcher or whatever the fuck it is you've got. <laughs> Well, my uh, my uh, last uh, two weeks has been almost the opposite of that because we're a month behind you. So we're still in the kind of if, if we're going to use your World War Two analogy, uh, <laughs> we're st- I'm still at training camp. I'm still at base camp. I'm just like I'm climbing ropes. I'm I highly to know. doubt it. I highly doubt it. What are you guys? You're 34 weeks, 35. Yeah. No, nah, yeah, man. You are you're you're on the ship heading over to the front. I think I've been, I've been dispatched. You've been I'm dispatched. Yeah. You're yeah yeah you're you're. You're chewing tobacco, okay. looking at a horizon, talking to a grizzly old. Uh, my second tour, pal. You'll get used to it. <laughs> so we uh, we are currently in um, Byron Bay because uh, we wanted to do just do one last little. I didn't know there was a name for this until we got up here, but everyone's been saying 
the name Baby Moon. Baby yeah. Moon. Did you know this phrase? Yeah, I think it was invented by the good people at whatif.com or you know, right. Flight Center or something. You know, yeah. really smacked I mean, of, you didn't know you needed this, but we've just told you you do, and you're a bad husband if you don't. And here's an extra 30% yeah, on your accommodation. Exactly, exactly. Well, yeah, we just wanted to have one last kind of relaxing trip. You know, we come to Byron quite a bit. It's one of our favourite places. Gemma always feels much more relaxed here. And we thought, well, let's just have one last holiday together, sort of uh. pre-baby, where we're just sort of soaking it up. But it uh, it is a baby moon, apparently. But we did the uh, Calm Birth course, which you uh, had done a couple of weeks before us, which i got to admit, I'm not really a dude for group mandated activities. I always get a bit like, ah, oh. like I don't do group training for personal training or anything yeah. like that. I'm always like, I'm not like these other idiots. I'm special. <laughs> I, don't need to, I don't need to partake in, in the group activities. But it was really good. And everything that you've sort of spoken about, it was interesting having done that course, hearing the stuff that you talked about in the lead up, the safe, calm and private. private. Yeah. That was the one thing I got out of it. But the other thing that really sort of, impacted me on that because there's 13 couples on my weekend and all the guys there had the same kind of questions or, or issues, which is like, how do you stop feeling powerless in a situation? <laughs> and there are a lot of things you can do to sort of be actively involved. But I think the thing that really struck me is what you've sort of been describing is, well, when it comes down to it, you're both kind of powerless in the end because the body just kind of takes over. Yeah. Like the baby is going to come whether you like it or not. Like you can have plans and, you know, um, yeah, your, what is it, your, uh, not, it's not your baby plan, it's your baby request. Birth plan. What's the thing that they ask you to? Uh, birth intentions. Birth intention. <laughs> birth intentions, which to me is like the most wishy-washy statement. Here are my intentions. You can have all those things in place, but ultimately you just have to be flexible and know that anything can and will happen, such as 10 days of contractions yeah. leading up to it. But the one thing I did notice having coming out of that is like everyone that I know who's had a child who has gone through either like a she birth or a calm birth or whatever, and they've all got their bits of advice. This recurring thing keeps happening where people keep saying to us, well, just make sure you, you know, go to the movies as much as you can and just make sure you go to as many fancy restaurants as you can. Just make sure you do all this kind of stuff, like all this kind of like cramming all this shit in. And look, I get it. You're now in baby mode. You're now in parent mode. And this is the stuff that you look back on and go, well, I wish I'd done more of that. Yeah. But this, the whole point of having a kid for us is to change our lifestyles, is to move on from that. Like, I feel like I've eaten at enough fancy restaurants and I feel like I've seen enough movies that, you know, what Jim and I are looking for with this is a new adventure, something that we want to do together, yeah. being parents. And so yeah. I don't want to view this through the prism of what am I losing? I would have used this through the prism of what I'm gaining. And even the stuff about like, well, you know, you're losing sleep. more. I get that. Mm. Look, I'm not trying to say that uh, I'm naive to these kind of things. But when we decided we were going to have a kid, we knew this stuff was going to happen. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like I don't understand why people feel the need to constantly remind you of that. Maybe I'll know in six months' time and I'm like, oh, God, I wish I, would, I could just wander down the cinema and see Hobbs and Shaw. But at the same time, this has been a conscious choice to get into this position. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And it's extraordinary that you you, you point that out because you, you're 100% right. That's the people have been telling me exactly the same thing. Like, oh, you're never going to do blah, or it's never going to be like that, or make sure you do blah. It's like, yeah, I was yes. aware of that. And <laughs> you're 100% you're right. That's exactly how I feel. It's like, I know all that stuff. And 
this is something I really want to do. And I get that all those things aren't going to happen for a while. And that's a-okay. <laughs> Well, it's funny. I listened to this other podcast, this uh, two midwives talking, and they spoke, they were talking specifically about childbirth. But they made this point, which I thought was really interesting, which is the way women who are viewed in, during labor and during childbirth is it's almost like this kind of pitying sort of thing, like, oh, they're going to go through this ordeal and, you know, they almost get sort of put in a corner and, you know, they used to be put in a bed and, you know, doctors would take care of them. It was like a chronic condition that they were experiencing. Yeah, yeah. Whereas – if someone told you that they were going to take part in like, you know, an ultra marathon, you know, they're going to do the Hawaiian Ironman or something, some massive endurance event, you wouldn't be like, oh, my God, oh, God, you know, are you okay? Is there anything I'm going to do? Well, just make sure you go and see as many movies as you can right now because when you start training, you might be, you know. For some reason, like this one endurance event is seen as something to be pitied while another endurance event is something to be celebrated. It's yeah. like. I'm aware that changes are happening and I'm aware that, you know, it's going to be a stressful at times uh, or physical ordeal, but this is part of the process. And even what you're describing then about Audrey and the changes her body is going through and what she has endured, it's so impressive, you know, and I'm, I'm excited to sort of be part of that. Absolutely. And, you know, the guys that I play poker with who have all had kids before me, Audrey's had a kid before me. I'm, I'm, I'm the one that's new in this whole situation. They have all said to me, these men have all said to me, mate, that is when you see this woman that you've married, you see her true power. That's when you see it all. Mm. That's when it reveals itself to you, you know. That's when you understand that what you think you have is nothing compared to what they bring. And I have had, a, have had glimpses of it in the last couple of days, Charlie, and uh, yeah, it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary, dude. To see this so, human doing this. Fri Friday is it, unless it comes earlier. Friday yeah. is non-negotiable. Yeah, Friday, Junior's showing up on Friday whether uh, – if he doesn't show up earlier, if any – you know, if no prostaglandin shows up, <laughs> no prostaglandin <laughs> makes its way in, yeah, Friday's the day. But now – see, now we're at the point where Audrey's just like – the thing, like the, the stretch and sweep is supposed to uh, stimulate, bring the labour on. Any kind of action uh, in the cervix is supposed to make the cervix go, all right, time to go. Mm. And um, at the obstetrician today, I was like, oh, you know what? I had to cancel my hair appointment last week because I went into labour. Let's not do it today. <laughs> Let me get my hair done. <laughs> so, yeah. so this is, But this is all a part of the reverse psychology on Junior. It's everybody stand down. In-laws have now, because in-laws were here, in-laws have gone mm. to the other, the, their son's house, Audrey's brother's house. Everyone's backed off. Everyone's backed away. We're all trying to like sort of lower the intensity of expectation to create that environment again around Audrey of just, okay, now is a great time to do it. Now's a great time to do it. <laughs> now, the last episode, we talked very important subject matter, prams. Yeah. We discussed uh, what kind of prams, yeah. travel prams. I've had a bit more information passed on to me. I caught up with a couple of friends in Melbourne last week who uh, have a six-month-year-old girl, and uh, they had a lot of information to share on prams. But before we get to that, have you made a decision? Have you finally made your purchase? Do you have the pram ready? Oh, yeah, the pram's ready. The pram's in the back of the car. Pram's good to go, and today, uh, the one we spoke about last week, uh, the yo-yo, mm. I saw three today. Within the space of an hour, I saw three yo-yos, and I went up at the post office. Though, so the last person that had the yo-yo, I said to them, hey, uh, you don't know me, but I'd love to ask you a question about your pram. And she said, yes. I said, do you love the yo-yo? She goes, yeah, I love it. It's the greatest. And I said, 
do you have a bigger one that you don't use? She said, two. (laughs) (laughs) So I think... Charlie. Just like Merrick said. You're the winner here because you've gone the yo-yo. We've gone the. Well, no. Here's the thing. Oh, no? I have, we, we haven't purchased our pram yet because these friends of mine in Melbourne, they did not like their yo-yo. Oh. But they told me about the Reds Baby. Oh, the Red <laughs> Baby. Reds Baby, Australian product. They said that you can get the you can get a smaller travel version. Then you have got your big industrial. Uh, I've just got the website here. You have got your Jive, your Jive, your Jive Platinum, which is your heavy duty. Uh-huh. You can put your shopping in it, and then you've also got your smaller one, which you can. It's a travel pram. But they were saying that was their favourite because mainly you can adjust the capsules to be facing front or facing the rear. Right. So we got this information. I thought that's interesting. So I was telling Gemma about it when I got back to Sydney. And similar to you, we were walking along the beach taking our dog for a walk, our dog Junior, not your your (laughs) child Junior. And we saw a a young mum with her new baby sitting in the sun with her Red's baby stroller. (laughs) And so we walked up and we said, hey, uh, you don't know us, we don't know you. But do you mind if we have a look at your pram? And she was so great, this woman. She was so accommodating. So she showed us – she was like a salesperson. She showed us all the features. Yeah. She put it down. She put it back up. She flipped the capsule back to front. Yeah. And so she sold it to us in a big way. So I think we're going to go the Reds, baby. That that is so good. And I guess, you know, I will be the same. If I have a pram that finally works, I would just want to share – with other people, save yourself some fucking time and effort. Go, just go with this one. This is the one, and this is why. Go and get it. Yeah, you know, I would want to share the same thing. I would want to. Well, well, you're a bit. You're a cyclist, right? I imagine you, or, and or with your cameras, you get quite fetishistic about your cameras and the lenses and stuff. Yeah. Do you think that that will soon be replaced by prams and pram accessories? Oh, I have no doubt. I have absolutely no doubt that me, uh, the baby monitor arrived today, which I'm, I did a fair amount of research around the, the baby monitor. and the ba- So the baby monitor's here because I'm often away and um, there's a remote pan tilt zoom camera that's about to be installed in this room. This was my my own personal pod cave, by the way. Now this is, I'm just going to pan around a bit. Oh. There's all the gum tree furniture. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and like it's all, God it, bless gum tree oh, for man, stocking a nursery. It man. is incredible. <laughs> Certainly for stocking a nursery with Swedish cabinetry, that is incredible. <laughs> expensive when you buy it new but really cheap when you buy it about a year later from someone who's who bought it a year ago and has really looked after it but that the rocking chair the rocking chair in the corner the nurse the nursing chair 200 bucks from the isle of dreams in aldi boom wow aldi of course of course where else would you have bought that but aldi where else would you buy a rocking chair when you bought your vegetables uh, your toothpaste and a rocking chair. And an air compressor and a chainsaw. It's it's amazing. 200 bucks. It's fucking great. Sure, we're spiralling so fucking fast towards climate cataclysm, but look what cheap manufacturing can bring us, Charlie. Look, that thing was made in China and now it's in my house. Amazing. We're not the only dads here, Charlie Clawson. There's other dads in this world. There's other dads that have been there before us. Other dads who were, who were like, come on, man, that's not how you do it. And um, I'm about to call one of them. Uh, we had Merrick on the show last week. Let's see if we can't get this dad on the phone to talk us through false starts, birth courses. Hey, buddy. Uh, Grant Denyer, good afternoon. How are you, dude? Mate, I'm fantastic. Charlie Clawson's here with me. Hey, Grant, how are you going? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? Good, good. As you're aware, Osher and I, impending fatherhood, and so any advice you could give us uh, would be much appreciated. <laughs> On the show today, Grant, we've been talking about false starts for labour. 
firstly, when you uh, had your kids, what was the warning signs? What did you did you get there and get told to go home again? We just obviously my wife is quite passionate about attempting to at least give birth naturally to, to start with, because I think it's idealistically in every book you you read about, you're meant to believe that. Giving birth naturally is what we're all designed to do, and there's a lot of romantic <laughs> stories about it. And, and I think it's deep inside women that that's, well, at least it was in my case, that that's what Shezzy really, really wanted to do. So hell or high water, she was going to have a crack at it. And as it turns out, it was hell, man, because she got stuck in, and then uh, my wife was trying to push it out faster than normal because the next day was actually my ex-girlfriend's birthday and she didn't want her child born on on, on the birthday of my ex-girlfriend. So. Oh. so we we played with fire and we tried to push the baby out two hours to go before the date kicked over to the next day and uh, the oh. universe said, you know what, this is, this is not going to work. I'm going to make you do it my way. Wow. wow, Grant, that's something I've never considered. I've got to start checking the birth dates of old Jenna's exes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were rushing for the baby to happen so much. that because I, And I said to my wife, I said, you know what? The more you try and make this baby come the day before, the more the universe is going to make it land on, on my ex's birthday. And uh, sure enough. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Because so uh, did you name did you name the child after your ex? Hell no! Oh, could you imagine? Oh, by the way, yeah, here's our brand new baby, and uh, my ex meant so much to me. Let's name her Belinda. So, uh, <laughs> Grant, can I ask? Um, did you do any kind of uh, birthing course beforehand, like yeah. a calm birth or a she birth? I was pretty shitty as a husband, so I was she was heavy into the books. I didn't have that same want to open a book about pregnancy because I was of the belief, ah, oh, we're born to do it. It'll just all happen. You know, it's meant to be. It's all good. But, <laughs> so she would get angry at me that I hadn't invested the same in the research and the backstories. And now, as it probably turns out for Shezzy, the more she read, the more scared she got. Oh, it's the WebMD syndrome where you're yeah. naturally drawn to the worst possible parts of yeah. the information you're given. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And then people stop you in the street and then they go, oh, when are you due? Oh, we're doing, you know, a month. Oh, let me tell you about my horrific birth story. <laughs> like everyone does that and that does not yeah. help you know, your, your wife at all. But as we kind of now know, and you know, I'd never say, I told you so to my wife, but you know, me not reading it, 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 she wishes she had a read less and just let it happen so she can build up a story in her head as to how it should go or how fun it should be or what. Should, when should the magical emotions kick in? But I remember coming back from the hospital and I remember um, all of a sudden I felt like I really needed a safe car, as did my wife. So <laughs> I'm a race car driver and she just had this, she needed an SUV. All of a sudden, hey, she's got kids, you need an SUV. And I couldn't persuade her either way. So I was like, sure. And then we're like, let's get a Volvo. Like, I'm a race car driver. What the hell am I doing driving a Volvo? Like, that's, that's the old people going to the, to, to the polls. But it's just, it's weird how you just, you instantly just want to protect it. And I, I spent so much time carrying, you know, the capsule out of the hospital to the car, putting it in the car, driving at 40k an hour with the rest of the traffic beeping me and going around me. I got home and realized I didn't even put the seatbelt on her. <laughs> wow. 
Oh man, it's, it's, it's a wild period. I wouldn't change it for the world. Oh, Daniel, you're just an incredible man to have a conversation with us. Thank you so much. Well, I'll definitely keep you updated later in the week when it all happens. You doing okay? Yeah, man, really good. Best of luck. My only advice to you, man, is just try and be present. I know you're a meditator. You're pretty good with this stuff. And it's the one thing, you know, when as humans, it's very easy for your mind to wander off and, you know, you be selfish and think about what happened to work today and who did this to me and who did that, that and am I good enough to do this. You've got to try and get yourself out of that headspace as much to enjoy every single little nanosecond. So um, be present because these precious moments are, are, are too magical to miss. You got Good it, man. Advice. You're the best ever, Grant. Have a cracking afternoon. Safe drive, mate. Put your seatbelt on. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Bye, mate. Love you, guys. <laughs> Got some good correspondence here, Charlie, from Instagram with the extraordinary. We should talk about the artwork, actually. Oh, yeah, that Reed uh, Parker did for us. Reed Parker, very, very talented uh, photoshopping there um, that Reed has done. I don't actually know what Reed does for a living. I'm assuming he's a graphic designer because uh, Reed, if you listen to our other podcast, Tofop, Reed's been a, a, a he's been a he's part of the Tofop family. He's been listening to Tofop from the very beginning, and he does a lot of artwork for us, a lot of funny photoshops, mashups, and things like that. Um, and so I just we very quickly had to get some artwork for Dad Pod, and so we briefly talked about three men and a baby, and so I sent him the poster and let him go to work. And what came back? I mean, we just wanted a, a, a stopgap, and what came back was so good. So, so it's good. like maybe we've got our artwork. I think we do. Uh, uh, Eve, uh, Eve Evandalay, Evandalay Jones. I'm trying to I'm trying to read Instagram handles in one thing. Evandalay writes on the Instagram. Great name. Great question. Really is your name. What credentials did you run through to decide on who was Selick and who was Danson? Was it based on facial hair and jawlines or other criteria? Furthermore, if another dad was to join this, would that automatically make them Gutenberg? <laughs> I mean, you don't want to be the – no one wants to be the goat. No. no. Um, I, I mean, no, Police Academy 1 and 2 were okay. I don't think we decided. I think I just sent Reed the poster for Three Men and a Baby and said – and it, if you look at Danson's hair and your hair, it's a no-brainer, right? Thankfully, I've still got all mine. Dancing's a bit, th- bit thin on top well, these days. Well, this is the thing. Uh, you know, a little plug from other podcast, Tofop. <laughs> We talk about this artwork uh, in our latest episode and I was telling Will that when I was a kid I watched an episode, Cheers did a milestone episode and so they did this behind the scenes half hour special and it broke my heart as a kid because I saw Sam Malone in the makeup chair spraying in his bald patch with some of that, you know, that fake hairspray that they used to, and I was like, Sam Malone's bald, you're kidding me and it like, yeah man, one of the the most famous TV Lotharios is actually a bald man. (laughs) But uh, you are not. No, I'm not, thankfully. Although Audrey does often take great delight in walking up behind me going, oh, the ball patch is getting a bit bigger, though. <laughs> what? Nah, your hair's very impressive. I, I'd be so I think, I think that domino would have fallen first. I think yeah. you would have put your face on going bingo. And then Selleck, I was surprised by how well my face fit Selleck. I'm very, as you, oh, what have I got on my face? You've got a quite a stash today. I've got a mustache. Started because November I saw, early. I saw Reed's artwork and I was like, maybe I could rock a Magnum PI type mustache. You really could. You came here in a Ferrari, didn't you? Yeah, exactly. I would definitely like to see if a third dad does show up, he can be our unofficial Gutenberg for the day. Well, maybe, maybe 
because we have dads call in to this show. Uh, maybe, and we'll probably get some mums from time to time. Maybe the, whoever the third person is, is the dad pod goop. They can be Gutenberg for the day. Gutenberg absolutely. for the day. All right, so we'll just, uh, as we'll, we'll finish off with uh, our traditional, our two-episode tradition now. Yeah, I think it's great. <laughs> We're highlighting a dad yeah. from popular culture or history. Uh, last week, it was Dan Connor from Roseanne. This week, uh, your suggestion, you wanted to go a bit more Australian. Yes. So I was a bit surprised by this. You nominated Alf Stewart from Home and Away. Yes. And I was surprised because I wasn't even aware that Alf had kids. But then, of course, a little search on the Home and Away wiki page lets us know that Alf is the father of Rue, which I should know because I've worked with both those actors for about five years. And I heard Georgie Parker refer to Ray Mara's dad on numerous occasions, but I still didn't put two and two together. Bad Zach, bad Zach. So I guess you could think of Alf as, as not just a, a dad in, in the land of Summer Bay, but as Australia's dad, although... He was Australia's dad 30 years ago. He's probably Australia's granddad now, right? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. If I, and if you don't know what Home and Away is, then you should buy a thing called the television because <laughs> it's been on air for 40 years or something like that. It's colossal. And he's the patriarch, I guess, of, of, of Summer Bay and probably yeah. the, the hardest, longest working actor in Australian television ever. Yeah, and so uh, Alf is the father. I'm just going off the wiki page because I don't know any of this information. Just because I worked on Home and Away doesn't make me an authority. So I'm uh, having to consult the uh, the Home and Away wiki. So Alf is a father to four children. The aforementioned Rue Stewart, who's currently being played by Georgie Parker, Duncan Stewart, Owen Dalby, and Quinn Jackson. He's also a stepfather of Shauna Bradley. So he's also got four grandchildren, Martha Bryce, Rick, and Ryder. <laughs> they sound like home and away names, yeah, don't they? Yeah, they do, don't they? Ryder, Rick with no K, Rick with just an R-O-C. So in 2004, Alf discovered he had another long-lost child when he reunited with his former girlfriend, Viv. The revelation led Alf to realise that local bad boy, Eric, <laughs> whom he'd loathe, is his grandson. Eric. <laughs> He'd been calling him a flaming mongrel for 10 years and it suddenly shows up that you're my grandson. Cut to commercial. Amazing. He's still protective of his daughter, even as a grown-up. When Rue finds love with James Edmonds, Alf is suspicious of him and for good reason. When Alf finds out that James has proposed to Rue and they're getting married, he stops the wedding. Yes. <laughs> Rue later finds out that James is already married to another woman and is thankful for Alf. And that is why that is why he's a great Australian dad. He's a great dad. Yeah. Not afraid to kick the door open of a church and stop a wedding at the last minute. Which is what you want, really. I mean, if you're going to say, speak now for a hold your peace, you don't want someone to just like quietly go, um, well, actually, no, you want the doors to fly open <laughs> and someone to ride a well, motorcycle down the aisle and it be bloody Alf. <laughs> some uh, often used Australian slang employed by Alf includes struth, Stone the Flamin' Crows, Flamin' Mongrels, Flamin' Galar, Flamin' Heck, Give Me Strength, Only Bar and Rigger. Have you ever heard that Australian nah. before? No. Nah. Only Bar and Rigger? No. Nah. No. Nah. Strike Me Pink, Hogan's Ghost. <laughs> Hogan's Ghost! Fair Crack of the Whip, Tucker, and Yarn. <laughs> now that's what makes, that's, 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 that's good dad talk. Come here, yeah. son. Let me have a yarn with you, son. You want to date my daughter? 
Come here, have a yarn. Now, fair crack of the whip. She's a good sort, but let's just be honest. You know, <laughs> when you come over to my house for Tucker, you know, you want you want your dad to say stuff like that. You want to say so, things like that. So, Al Stewart, Dad Pod salutes you. Flame it, heck. All right, that's it for another episode of Dad Pod. We uh, may have to take a little break, I guess, because it sounds like you're going to have a baby soon. Oh, that's all right. You know, from what I gather, they spend as much time eating, shitting, and puking as they do sleeping. So in the time which they're sleeping, <laughs> yeah. we can get a pod done. We can get a podcast in here. It'll be great. And I'm sure that at some point, me and Junior will be in here and they'll be gurgling and all, all kinds of action going on. I mean, why not? Do you think we can get a Junior uh, an exclusive interview with Junior? Just yeah. moments out of coming out of the womb? Ah. Uh. Possibly. He's already his heartbeat's already had his debut, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. So I don't see why not. Did we come up with a sign off last week? I can't remember. Go to bed. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> awesome.